Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, so glad you're joining us today. Uh, we are now in week two of our missions month, and so we're taking a break from our series going through Romans, which we started in January, looking at Romans 12. Uh, we're taking a month break here to really focus on missions, and we'll pick back in Romans uh, chapter one, pick back up there, uh, beginning at the first week of March. Uh, so we're, we're in week two, and we are recapping uh, the oikos principle that we introduced last year, and it's, a, it's the principle of, of looking at those people that God has put on the front burner of our lives, uh, because those are the people who, who God has put in our lives. There are, there are people, and he is calling us to go and to share with them the mercies of God, of the mercy he's had on us and the mercy he desires to have on them as well. The Oikos principle is narrowing, narrowing our focus to make our impact more powerful. You know, just as focusing light into a laser beam can blow up entire planets in Star Wars, you know, we want to do the same thing here. You know, but not, not blowing up planets, but changing our world for Christ, bringing him and his kingdom into every aspect under our relational roof. Um, and typically, we can have about 8 to 15 of those people in our lives who we can go really deep with at a time. And so we want to really put the focus on those people God's put on the front burner of our lives. Uh, and we have these Oikos cards uh, with us that we're making available uh, in the church office um, and in the sanctuary. Uh, and these are, these are not something that we're legalistic about, right? We, but we believe it's a valuable tool uh, to, that, that you can be equipped with to be a little bit more intentional um, in your relationships, in your interactions with others, trusting that God is going to work through us as we seek him, you know, knowing that, that he loves those people that he's put in our lives more than we ever could, and he desires to draw them to himself. And we want to be a part of that, uh, that, be a part of the great co-mission that Christ gave to us, his church. And we do this with the understanding that there is nothing left to us in this life that we won't have in greater abundance in the next, except for one an opportunity to reach others with the love and with the truth of Jesus. And if we follow the example of Jesus, he harnessed the relational power of his oikos to reach others. So by narrowing our focus, it expands the possibilities for the kingdom of God. Because now, every interaction we have, we're thinking, we're thinking through uh, praying, investing, inviting, and being prepared. We're, we're, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel with any of this stuff. We simply want to become a little more effective in our mission, a little more thoughtful, a little more intentional, and a lot more prayerful. The last step on this Oikos card is to prepare. Um, it's the last step, but I think it should actually be in a column all on its own because it's the backbone of this whole process. So today, we're going to look at a few things when it comes to being prepared. It begins with our own faith, then being able to share it and articulate the gospel as we think through how best people can hear it and then respond to it. But first, before we get into that, does our own faith pass the litmus test? And we've got to ask ourselves that. You know, we, we can talk about sharing our faith all we want, but, but if there's no life change to share, that is not something we're sharing because that's not something that's real. 
Yes, we are saved through faith alone, by grace alone, but if our lives don't reflect any sort of real transformation, then we're only kidding ourselves. We're not spirit-indwelled if we keep on sinning. We just keep living as we've always lived before Christ. John uh, writes in 1 John chapter 2, he says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So, so yes, we're not perfect. And, and we'll slip up. And, 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 and the good news of the gospel is that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Son. And praise God for that. But also, when we are in Christ, we are no longer enslaved by our sin. John goes on and he says, uh, verse 2, chapter 2 of 1 John, that he is the propitiation. Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. And not only for ours alone, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So we walk as Christ walked. We are on a journey of maturing in Christ as those receivers of the fruits of the Spirit the fruits of the Holy Spirit that Christ gave to us, the fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So test your faith. Examine it. Are the fruits of the Spirit being revealed in your life? Uh, John goes on in 1 John chapter 3, saying, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared, Jesus, in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning." The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother." So what are the marks of a genuine saving faith? It is our love of our brothers and our sisters and of practicing righteousness, living rightly before God and loving genuinely. And yeah, we, we won't be perfect at this, this side of heaven. We understand this. But as a spirit-filled person, we're in that sanctification process of being perfected this side of heaven. If we aren't, if our lives look exactly like, like the lives of, of, of the unbelievers in our life, and, and there's, there's no desire for changing, for growing, that's a serious cause for concern. And the calling is to repent and to seek the true gospel that has the power to change lives. See, you're responsible 
for those people on your Oikos card, those people God's put in your life, those people under your relational roof. And I'm responsible and accountable before God for you and for your faith. So as we talk about missions, I'm distinctly aware that it will amount to nothing if we are not serious about our own walk with Christ. If our faith is, is kind of a side note in our life, uh, you know, it, maybe it's a life insurance policy, you know, that we only think about, you know, the one time a year that we pay it, you know, if, if that's our faith, it's a dead faith. All right, so we, we can give you all the tools in the world, but no matter how many tools you give a dead body, they can't build anything, they can't fix anything. So man, our faith needs to be alive and active. We got to grab hold of and hold fast to that which is good, fleeing and hating that which is evil, and then being those who love our brothers and our sisters genuinely. That's Romans 12 that we just studied last month. That's what that faith looks like. There was a missionary study done of two different missions strategies, the strategy of the blessers versus the strategy of the converters. The study was based on two missionary teams who went to Thailand with these two different strategies. The converters went with a sole intention of converting uh, through evangelizing, handing out tracts, and through preaching. The blessers went simply to be a blessing, saying, wherever God sends us, we're going to be a blessing to that place and to that people. After two years, this is what they discovered. The studies show that the blessers' presence in the community resulted first in a tremendous amount of social good, and this was not so with the converters. Second, the blessers had 50 times more conversions than the converters. The ratio was 50 to 1. It wasn't even close. And this really shouldn't be surprising to us. As James, the brother of Jesus, says in James 2, 14 through 19, he says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. So we show our faith by our works, knowing our works are not our faith. They, they, they are a byproduct of our faith. And our works don't save us. It is, it is faith in the finished work of Christ that saves us. And that's a wonderful truth and an important distinction that separates true Christianity from every other belief system. It's the grace and the mercy of God that has saved us. So we recognize that we are blessed to be a blessing, to go and be a blessing. So we invest, we seek ways to be a blessing in the lives of others. And we showed you this, uh, this study last year, but I want to show you this acronym again from this blessing strategy. Um, so B-L-E-S-S -S, um, that these missionaries came up with. Uh, for the strategy. First, they said for B, they say begin with prayer. Uh, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> Ask God, uh, how do you want me to bless these people you've placed in my life? And, and more specifically, we know this as our oikos, right? Begin with prayer. That's so, so important. The L in bless stands for listen. So talk less, listen more. 
man, listen to the people in front of you. Listen to what's going on in their lives, their struggles, their fears, their pains, their story. E stands for eat, and this one is fun. Man, you have a meal with people or a cup of coffee, sit down with them, it builds relationships. It gives an opportunity for listening uh, to know how then you can invest in them. And hopefully eating out with people will become a thing again, uh, maybe in the near future. Um, S stands for serve. Uh, so, you know, if you listen to people and you eat with people, man, they will tell you how you can love them and, and you'll know how you can serve them and then you go, go and do it. The last S stands for uh, sharing your story. And so when the time's right, now you share the story of how Jesus changed your life. And that's our stories. And, and necessarily intermixed in that is the gospel. It's the truth of the gospel has the power to change lives. So they said in the study, they said, try one of these every day. One of these B-L-E-S-S. Just try one every day. Praying for somebody, going out to eat, listening. Make it a lifestyle mindset to pray, listen, eat, serve, share, invest, disciple, bless. So I want to encourage you all in this because I see that many of you are doing this extraordinarily well uh, because we know intuitively that this is true. Right? This is how we came to faith. This is why we love the gospel and why we love Jesus. He came not to be served, but to serve, and he changed the world. So in this series, we want to encourage you in this, be a blessing in the place and with the people God has put on the front burner of your life. This is the calling. And the more laser-focused, the more you know, seriously intentional uh, energy we place on this, the greater the fruit's going to be from it. And here's the thing with the Oikos principle. We can point people to Jesus, but we can only lead people as far as we've gone. You're not going to deepen someone else's faith or their walk with Christ if your own faith is not deepening. You're not going to reach someone for Christ if, if that's a low priority in your own life. We can be an evangelist for a lot of things in this world. Things like sports, you know, TV shows, politics, games, and whatnot. And, and it's fun, you know, sharing things that, that we found to be helpful, to be informative, to be entertaining. It's fun to share good news. Uh, it helps build relationships. Uh, so, so there's nothing wrong with this, man. It, it's a great thing. But I'm wondering for you, what is the greatest news that you can share with somebody? What's the most important thing in your life? Because ultimately, that's what you'll share when given the opportunity. So, so we prepare by making Christ this priority in our life. In Matthew 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus uh, he says to us in verse 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So if we lose our saltiness, we, our, our, our savory taste that we can add, you know, our, our preservation of freshness and goodness uh, our saltiness that causes you know, people to thirst for, for the true water of life, if we lose that, we become non-essential workers who get sidelined. Jesus goes on in this passage and says, he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, 
Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So we are salt and we are light. The saltiness in our in, is, our, is our inward condition, right? The light is, is the outward working of the good from within as being spirit-filled people. So, so this is what we are being transformed into, as Paul says, by the renewal of our minds. And as we do this, as we are deepening our faith and, and walking in faithfulness, then our relationships all around are being affected by our salt and by our light. That is what it looks like to be prepared. That's being transformed. It's having your mind be renewed. Along with that, Peter tells us to be prepared to give a defense for the hope that we have. In 1 Peter 3, 13 through 17, Peter writes, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. So the implication is that we are a people of hope because of our hope in Christ not in the things of this world. And the defense is done for the hope that we have in gentleness and respect. But have you thought through it? Is your faith a reasonable and defendable faith? It has been for the past two millennia, and it still is today. So be prepared to give a defense for the hope that you have but you may still be rejected for it. And that's fine. In Matthew 10, Jesus sends out the 12 disciples to go and preach to villages and towns. Um, and he gives, them the, he gives them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. But as he sent them out, he gave them parting words and instructions, which are still instructions for us today, as it's clear throughout this chapter that Jesus is not only speaking of this short-term missionary journey that they're going on, but also of them being sent out post-resurrection. Because in their first journey, he says, only go to the Jews. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans. But then later in this chapter, he says, you will bear witness to them, the Jews, and to the Gentiles. So, so, So we see this is for, man, the mission as we go from here. So So we bear witness. We read in Matthew 10, 14 through 16, Jesus says, And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. So it is this image of of not cramming down people's throats the gospel. Right, right, when they've rejected and they won't listen to it or receive you. So we don't get hung up on that or get offended. We're not seeking the approval or the praise of men. Rather, we're seeking that of God. So we shake the dust off our feet and we move on, leaving them in God's hands. 
when it becomes apparent that the gospel is not welcome, uh, Jesus says, just move on. Move on. Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 6, says it this way. He says, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, so having this ministry as we are those who have received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. So, so we don't try to change things. Uh, we don't try to change God's word, use cunning to make uh, the gospel more appealing or palatable, as, as some you know, are in the habit of doing, as in teaching. You know, you, you, there's people who will say, man, you believe in Jesus, you're going to get that car you always wanted. You're going to get that promotion you always wanted. All your problems will be gone. You know, you get your wishes and your dreams, you know, here and now. Or, you know, or in Jesus, man, you can live however you want. Just say this prayer, then keep on living however you want. You're good to go. You got that life insurance policy. You know, just keep doing whatever feels good in the moment. God wants us to be happy, right? So, so do whatever you want. So, so Paul's saying, man, we refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. He says, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their eyes, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So it's all about Jesus. It's making his name great throughout the earth, and we, as he, become servants for his sake. Because only in this truth can the light shine forth out of darkness, right? Only then can we love our enemies. Only then can we overcome evil with good. Only then can we pray for those who persecute us and do them kindness and give them water when they are thirsty and food when they are hungry. So we hold these things together of being rejected, shaking the dust from our feet, and then loving those who persecute us. As we are instructed to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Wise as serpents, D discerning, right, being perceptive, having critical thinking, what's really going on here, right, is there some other kind of agenda, is there some kind of a setup that's going on, so wise as serpents, while we are also instructed to be innocent as doves, as in those who are not conniving, or, or trying to use cunning, or, or seeking to set people up, you know, as Paul explains in 2 Corinthians, we don't try to twist scripture to, to fit our whims or the whims of others, man, it is what it is, it is what it is. It's the power of God, and it's the wisdom of God. We pray, and we trust God with it, because he is the only one who can change people's hearts. But we are faithful in the rest, seeking to be intentional and thoughtful and prayerful in how we can reach others for Christ. For Paul also says in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 27, and we're going to end with this, he says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the, under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, 
but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law, to the weak I became weak, to, to win the weak, I've become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in, the, in games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So this is Paul's heart. And I pray this would be our heart too. Having his heart for the lost. It is the heart of Christ. His heart for living for eternity and running the race, the race that counts forever. We could each win at things that, that count for a moment. Maybe even we win at something that counts for a lifetime, but still, at the end, it's over. And when we enter into eternity, will we enter as those who ran the true race to win the true prize and receive the true eternal rewards? Or will we run as those who got distracted with lesser competitions so that when we enter his kingdom, all the work that we did here will be burned up, and we will be as those saved, yes, but only saved as those who've gone through fire as our works have been burned up behind us. So get a vision for eternity in your life, and this oikos principle will become a front-burner goal rather than just a side thought. Because here's the thing. It is our daily lives that has the most and the biggest impact on people. It was my mom who got us to church week after week. It was my dad doing his daily morning devotionals, having his Bible open on his desk every morning as he read. It was my sisters who always kept tabs on me, man, even coming into my room and sitting on my bed, asking questions, checking in spiritually, and then they would pray for me, and then they would have me pray for them. And eventually I expected it. I looked forward to it. So be prepared and preparing for those daily interactions, those, those little inputs that develop into big kingdom impact in people's lives that echoes on into eternity. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you've done for us, for your great and all-surpassing love, that you did not come to be served, but you came to serve and to give your life as a ransom for many. So Lord, we praise you for that. May we live in that truth, live out that truth, and be a witness for those that you put in our lives. God, give us a heart for the lost. Give us a heart for the lost. Give us a heart to preach the gospel, to share it, and to share how much you've had mercy on us. And what a wonderful thing that is. So Lord, go before us as we leave from here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.